Season four of Amari Purple Talk. I'm Richard Cole. In the house with me is Alex B. And we're going to be talking Prince, Prince related stuff, music, flashing back, purple pieces. We bring in everything. So, Alex B., welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you back, man. Brand new. <laughs> Brand new season, brand new approach. So we're going to just jump right on in. Um, actually, before we uh, start the show, we're going to kind of take a serious moment, uh, acknowledge the passing of Wally Safford, uh, Prince's bodyguard, member of the classic Sign of the Times band, and uh, Revolution, the family. He was part of those bands as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from, I mean, I've never had an opportunity to meet him or anything, uh, but there are a lot of people in the purple musical singularity that have had great, beautiful things to say about him. You know, a genuine person. So just want to celebrate him on this episode. So we're going to dedicate this show to Wally, and also, too, we're going to dedicate this show to one of the Purple Avengers, Mr. DJ UMB. So we're going to have a moment of silence for Wally. All right, so Wally Safford, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Wally. Yeah. So, um, like I say, my memories of like the the parade era and the Sign of the Times band, of course, you know the Sign of the Times movie. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I enjoyed that kind of R and B review dynamic and. You know, Wally, Greg Brooks, Jerome, you know, they or Cat later on. You know, they brought some some really great energy to that band. Yeah. Yeah, they you know, they brought like a different dynamic. You know, it was so even though it was opposite of what Prince was, you know, you have Prince who, you know, for lack of a better term, let's say he's like the pretty boy. But then you have like, you know, you have like, and not to say the Prince was not down to earth, but, you know, when you look at Wally and you look at Brooks and you look at Jerome, you know, it was almost like, you know, you can really almost kind of identify with those guys because you knew people who kind of look like those guys. You know, we right. really didn't, I really didn't have any friends that really look like Prince, but I had a lot of friends that look like, you know, Wally, Brooks and, uh, and Jerome. So, you know, it was always kind of cool to see the whole interaction uh between them you know they just seemed like they were really uh really down to earth and and like you said to reiterate what you said earlier i mean i've never met wally either but i remember hearing him on a uh 
on a podcast, and he seemed like he was he was a really down to earth type of person. He seemed like he was really cool. Yeah. Um, didn't seem like uh, he had his head up in the clouds, so to speak. Uh, didn't seem like he was out of touch with reality. Uh, he was really cool, you know. So it's it's you know, uh, as you said before, I'm glad we kind of took that moment of silence uh, for Wally. And uh, I felt like he, he was a good. I felt like he was a good person. But once again, I I never met him, <laughs> so <laughs> I can only go by what I've seen in you know in uh in tv or read about them in print or what i heard on the podcast so i was able to just kind of just feel like as you said before they the energy that they brought was uh it was it was a different kind of energy but it was a good energy it still was all it was all able to kind of meld together so that was you know one of the cool things um about watching their antics uh in a sign of the time movie because it didn't take away from the whole message of the movie, and that's what one thing I liked. Right. So, yeah. Right. Is you know it kind of kind of reminds me now of uh, Under the Cherry Moon in that scene where Prince is like, you know, yeah, I'm going to bring it down to our world. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know, I think Prince kind of took that concept, where you know, because he flipped the revolution. It kind of went from being this, you know, sort of self-contained band you know kind of right. a la you know beatles or fleetwood mac or this or that and turned it into a straight up r&b review yeah and you know so now he's you know at the top of the mountain with the crossover success and then he brings this you know this r&b review dynamic to it you know and he you know he brought the he brought the brothers from north mini <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, when you, when you look at, you know, and using Purple Rain as an example, I mean, when you look at that particular revolution, I mean, everyone was almost kind of a reflection of Prince to a certain degree, you know. I mean, everyone had the poofed up hair and the eyeliner and the makeup and, you know, the shiny clothes, the tight clothes, and everyone was almost a reflection of Prince. But there was no way you saw Wally and, and, and Jerome and, and Brooks... <laughs> You know, they didn't dress that way. They didn't have, you know, they, their hair was not poofy and they didn't have shiny clothes. And, you know, and so it, it was so much opposite of what Prince was. So that's how come it was like, like you said, he, he brought the brothers from uh, from northern Minnesota. And um, and it was cool. It was it was once it was a different dynamic. But it was a good dynamic. It was. Oh, yeah. Know, I mean, it, it it just all gelled together. Because, you know, obviously, to a certain degree, that's what Prince was always. So that's the reason why it jailed together. It's not like, you know, Prince was like, you know, this kid with a silver spoon, spoon stuck in his mouth who really didn't have any kind of, you know, touch with the streets, as it were. You right. Know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, Prince was a little hood. So it's all oh yeah, it all it all it was so it was it was easy for him. Like, hey, why don't y'all come and you know sing with me? Okay. You know, it was all good. So, yeah, you're so, not yeah. just gonna be the bodyguards, you know. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and you know, and I would love to have been a fly on the wall to see exactly what transpired and how that even, you know, how you go from being bodyguard to next, you know, you're like on stage singing, you know, backup. First, you know, you're doing this background, you're doing percussion, and you got a tambourine, and you know, you're doing these background vocals. Like, well, how do you go from that to? <laughs> You know, because I don't remember seeing Big Chick any place up on stage, <laughs> you know, but, you know, 
then once again, you know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it would have been, been cool <laughs> to be a fly on the wall to see how all that like transpired. You know how that all that uh, took place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I know his book. Uh, I think it's. I, I, it might be out of print. I'm not sure if it's out of print. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm definitely going to have to track that down and you know hear his story. Yeah. You know, and two, you know, you said that you saw or you listened to uh, an appearance he made on somebody's podcast. Yeah, so, it was someone, yeah, it was someone's podcast, and uh, and it's funny because the uh, host would ask a question. And Wally be like, well, you got to pick up the book. <laughs> I was like, my man, that's how you do it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and they were really good questions. And I was like, ooh, I need to pick up the book. And, you know, I don't know, this is a couple of years ago. So it was, you know, heck, it could have been even pre-COVID. And then, you know, when COVID came and everything just kind of shut down. down. Yeah. yeah, completely different directions. So I was like, whoa. So I've always said, yeah, just like you, I wanted to pick up the book. Um I can't remember the title, but I'm sure if I went to Amazon, I could search underneath his name and find it. So, yeah, I know for me, um, I don't know. Have you ever heard the song Wally? I don't think so. Well, is that is that from yeah. the, time the Times Deluxe? Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then I have heard it. Yeah. 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 And you know, why his legend also looms so large, you know, in kind of the Prince fan base, you know, in addition to being part of that sign of the times band, uh, you also had where the song Wally was about really Prince's breakup with Susanna. And I guess, you know, I guess he was confiding into Wally and during, you know, those talks that turned into a song and it was like one of the most personal songs he ever did. In fact, it was so personal. He erased it. Like the original version of it. And oh, then he, okay. yeah, re-recorded it, which is the version that you hear on uh, the side of the times deluxe. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he may have been present. Uh, when the, you know, he made that decision to cancel the Black Album. Hmm. Interesting. Too, yeah. I mean, there's so many stories, but, you know, but uh, I think that was one of them uh, in regards mm-hmm. to the Black Album. Oh, okay. But yeah, like I said, definitely, you know, check out his book and definitely check out his story. And, you know, that's the... The thing to where you know we have to start checking people out while they're here, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, rest so in peace, again. Wally. Yes, rest in peace. All right. So, so we're going to go on with our main topic today, and basically, our main topic stems from the fact that the estate has been really, really quiet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm, you know, I'm sure they're having like secret meetings, you know, they're probably on some secret island somewhere, you know, it's the the family (laughs) members and then 
primary wave and they're secluded somewhere and you know they're just coming up with great ways to bring us some more purple goodness right yeah so i know you know so it'll be kind of hard until some announcements come to kind of have some breaking news but um while they're quiet while they're planning these are going to be my most anticipated prince releases or <laughs> actually my pick of five things i would be most excited to see happen from the prince estate and not really so much in the way of actual releases like you know there's been this debate over the last six to seven months are they going to release a parade super deluxe are they going to release a diamonds and pearls super deluxe you know to the point that I'm kind of exhausted with both of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, look, I want them to drop that around the world in the day deluxe. <laughs> right. Oh, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. No, just kidding. But yeah, but these are kind of just a few ideas, no particular order. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to start with number one a separate archive label for non-commercial studio vault tracks live albums from the vault and include some fan-made recordings sold as physical media oh some fan-made recordings interesting yeah because um now the the hendrix estate they've got this subsidiary called dagger records and that's all it is. It's just like vault stuff. It's like demos, some live recordings, but they're not like the best made recordings. Mm -hmm. And some of them, you know, they've bought recordings from fans. Like, I think there's one uh, Jimi Hendrix live at Clark University. I think that was a total fan recording. So it's like it you know, it's one of those where it doesn't have the complete show because the guy that recorded it, you know, ran out of tape in the middle, had to go back and put the second reel on. So, you know, you couldn't release that as like a mainstream commercial release. But, yeah. you know, there are people that want to hear that show. Right. You know, so they created this subsidiary label, you know, that just sells stuff like that, you know. Um, I know one that I bought was Hendrix um, with uh, Buddy Miles and Billy Cox, and it was the uh, the baggy rehearsal sessions. So this was them trying to, you know, gel together as a band uh, before they did that Band of Gypsies project at the Fillmore. Oh, that would be cool. Oh, yeah, it is. It's nice. It's nice. And, you know, and then there are the, like, uh, you know, Frank Zappa, although it's not a separate label, but, you know, even while he was alive, you know, he had this thing called Beat the Boots, where he got tired of people bootlegging his stuff. So he find out, you know, what the boot, you know, the best selling bootlegs were, and then he would just put them out himself and it would be <laughs> a, you know, better quality recording. And he would go so far as the copy to bootleggers artwork. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Good for Frank. Yep. <laughs> and uh, let's see another example. Um, uh, Neil Young, you know, his website, you know, mm-hmm. um, it might have gone up, but it's $20 a year and you got access to, you know, the official recordings and again, you know, stuff that's been circulating with the bootleggers, but it's Neil Young putting the stuff out himself. And you got access to that online. Which brings me to number two, a website that would allow you to purchase a digital archive of released and unreleased material. And then number three. So I guess that means they would have to pretty much digitize everything. They have to put it into an MP3 format. Um, yeah. Maybe. Now, uh, yeah, now the. Yeah, the record labels have been pretty much doing that for probably since the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, but now, you know, we kind of live in this age. And I think Neil Young, I think he might have always owned his own masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Zappa definitely did. You know, sadly, Prince didn't get a chance to enjoy his ownership the way he would have wanted to. Yeah. But, you know, those, uh, let's see, who else? I don't know if Bob Dylan owns his own stuff or not, but, you know, that's another one where he's constantly putting out stuff from the vault. Yeah. In addition to new stuff. Oh, okay. And then we've got number three, which is hopefully the estate has a definite plan for official releases moving forward. Oh, you mean as far as like release dates? um... Uh, Formats, you know, are you going to do the official Warner Brothers albums? Are they going to be super deluxe? Um, You know, there are people that are only fans of the 90s or even later and they want their own super deluxe. And I mean, I feel like not everything is going to be a super deluxe edition. Mm-hmm. You know, they might, you know, the classic stuff probably will. But then if you do something like, I don't think the gold experience will ever be super deluxe. Because right. you just got that, yeah, that period from 93 to 95, you know, he had so much product, you know, in circulation. Yep. That you just have to do that as like one big box set on its own and just say, you know, whatever they are, sessions 93 to 95 and do that. Yeah, that would make sense. And instead of just tagging the album with it, like you said, from 9395, um, I don't know if they would call it another greatest hits. I would think something more original of a title. Um, uh, I mean, to use uh, Dylan as an example, um, there was that period like in the 80s. Those weren't his best albums. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say they weren't his best albums, but they weren't as 
favored amongst the fan base as like his, you know, 60s material, maybe some of his 70s material. Um, But what they'll do sometimes with Bob Dylan is they'll do the range of sessions. Like, I think that period was like 81 to like 85. Mm-hmm. And then you just have a box set of all those sessions. But whatever the original albums were, they would just re-release the albums. Okay. You know, maybe remaster it or something like that. But it wouldn't be like such and such Bob Dylan album that was released in 83. It's not getting its own box set. Okay. So I get, you know, but like I said, it's, you know, now that they're in control with of the Prince estate, well, you know, what's the plan? You know, is there going to, you know, instead of kind of how it was prior to it, where you got this, you know, here, look, this is piano and a microphone. You'll <laughs> love that. And it was cool. It was cool. But I would have preferred to have had that on a real Purple Rain right deluxe edition you know and then to me the first step in the right direction was doing that originals project where it was mm-hmm. you know all the songs that we knew like jungle love gigolos get lonely Two, glamorous life um sex shooter you had those songs you know but it was with prince's vocals right and to me that was a step in the right direction and then you know they started hitting us with the with the pow and the wham with the 1999 and then <laughs> yeah. the sign of the time super deluxe. Of, yeah. Um, you know, even something like Welcome to America, you know, that was another good step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a thing to where other people were making these decisions. And it was almost like, you know, well, let's throw something at the wall and see what sticks. And on top of that, there was all this money being made that it wasn't going into the pockets of the family. Yeah. You know, now, granted, it was to help settle a lot of the tax debt, which is, yeah, you know, that's that's <laughs> business. <laughs> right. Take it to business first. So. Right. But. Somebody was getting paid something and it yep. wasn't the family members. So now that that door is open to where they can start reaping the benefits like I said, I hope, you know, that they're coming up with a, a good, solid plan, maybe listening to some of the ideas of the fan base. And, you know, like I said, I, I think there's going to be some purple goodies to come, but I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> so Number four is going to be Paisley Park to expand, to reintroduce full-scale audio uh, see, to uh, read that wrong, to expand to reintroduce Paisley Park as a full-scale audio-visual facility. And you know, now the museum is cool. Now, honestly, I've never been. So, but I've you know seen where they've had the celebrations, and people always have a good time. Uh, they do have a lot of interesting things going. And I'm sure, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's Princess Graceland at this point. And yeah, that shouldn't change. But yeah, but I don't know how much additional land 
is on that property or if there's additional land adjacent to it that Prince may have owned or at one point to where maybe expand it to be, you know, again, you know, kind of be a major player in that area, you know, to, to do recording, you know, attract some, you know, attract some major artists there to record kind of like a Jack White studio. Hmm. You know, do that. You know, Prince had originally built a huge soundstage. You know, Graffiti Bridge was, you know, filmed on that. Um, also, too, um, I forget the whole list of movies, but why this one sticks out, I don't know why, but Grumpier Old Men, that was filmed at Paisley Park, some of that. Mm-hmm. You know, reintroduce it, you know, and, you know, you can create jobs that way, especially for people in the industry, engineers, filmmakers. So as it, as it stands right now, no one is recording. There are no recordings at Paisley Park. Uh, I mean, it's like a full-fledged studio. I'm surprised that they wouldn't at least rent that out. I mean, they couldn't, you know. I'm pretty sure people pay top dollar to record at Paisley Park. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know, like, you know, so that's odd to me that they wouldn't open it up, really. Huh. Yeah, I think, let's see, Beck, I think he might have recorded his last album. Oh, okay. There, and then I think there was a project uh, involving uh, Prince's dad, a lot of the songs that his dad wrote mm-hmm. that they did a a recording project where they brought musicians in to play that music. But yeah, I, other than that, no. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. And and I get it. You know, they're they're making money off the the tourism. Excuse me. The tourism and then you know the big celebrations, you know, that, that brings in some revenue as well. Um, yeah, but princes are, and I know, you know, some of his final notes were, you know, how to convert this into a museum at some point, but I also look at, you know, his vision for what Paisley Park was originally going to be as far as, you know, renting the space out, um, attracting, you know, move, not just for his projects, but Again, you know, have something like a grumpier old man shot there. Or, you know, I remember reading stuff where um, Cool and the Gang used that as a rehearsal space. They rented it out for that. Um, I think Jermaine Jackson recorded some of, uh, I can't remember what the album was. Uh, Don't take it personal. Some of that album was recorded at Paisley Park. Okay. So yeah, I don't see why they why they couldn't, like I said, expand right. it. You know, just keep, you know, preserve the museum. But, you know, maybe build in a couple of additional wings and you know, make it a you know, make it a commercial space. Yeah, it will make sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. They haven't thought of that. I don't well then again, I guess. 
I mean, there were just so many legal woes with uh, with the estate that you just can't go in, you know, all willy nilly and say, "Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to knock right. this wall, and <laughs> you know, we're going to add another ten thousand square feet." And everybody's like, "Who's going to pay for it?" <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You definitely um, have to have some money come in for sure. <laughs> right. You know. So I trust a lot. So I guess you know, with them um, just kind of hammering out the details for um, um, for the estate, you know, I guess, you know, it's, I mean, granted, you know, Prince passed when in 2016. So, I'm looking at, yeah, I guess with all the legal stuff, I mean, yeah, because, yeah, the- I mean, because, and you know, and when you really think about it, I, you know, I bet I bet there was so much other stuff that was never really brought to the public because, you know, you had people coming forward and say, hey, you know, Prince is my daddy. <laughs> my mama told me, <laughs> and uh, they hooked up one night in Kansas City. You know? So, I mean, you know, you got that kind of stuff going on. And I mean, it's just, I mean, yeah, and a lot of this, you know, is, is not privy to the public. So, you know, I guess we're saying, oh, yeah, it shouldn't take six years, but there's so much going on that we really just don't know. So, yeah, yeah. And so, it, yeah, it, yeah. It took some time to sort out and it did get sorted out. Right. But like I said, these are, you know, just some of my ideas. Um, you know, nothing official from the estate. I don't have. I don't have the estate on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't? <laughs> what kind of show is this? <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. So- <laughs> So now we're going to move on to the fifth and final. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) It's all good. It's going to be like the Arsenio Hall, Eddie Murphy get togethers on the Arsenio Hall show. (laughs) From here on out, this show will be nothing but laughter. (laughs) Right. Talk about ad libs and winging it. Okay, number five. (laughs) Number five, the big one, the Uh Netflix documentary. (laughs) Wait a minute, which which one? What there was there was like a Prince Netflix documentary or no? There's going to be oh Netflix documentary. Okay, okay. Yeah, it has been in production probably about the last couple of years. Is this the one that's wait a minute? I th- did they change directors? Are we talking yeah. about this thing? Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first, I forgot her name, but she left. Um yeah, Ava Duvernay. Okay, so and she left uh because I guess there was some type of differences in opinions with mm-hmm. her in the estate. Right. Okay. And I wonder what those opinions were. Okay. Yeah, I would say probably maybe maybe the narrative of it. You know, maybe the 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 story she wanted to tell mm-hmm. might have conflicted with what Netflix or maybe even the estate. Well, no, yeah, I got no maybe not the estate, but I think 
more so Netflix. Um, but then they brought in Ezra Elderman. And I then, believe okay, so I wonder what so if what kind of problem would Netflix have with it? I mean I don't know. I mean it's it is it's very hush hush. Um the the only thing that has leaked and this kind of stemmed from when they were interviewing Kat for the documentary. Mm-hmm. And it was some things in there I guess she didn't she didn't like and was like, oh, hell no, nah, I don't want to be any part of it. No, you know, and she started putting them on blast. And then you had um, Jill Jones and then some other people to come out and say, well, you know, they were nice to us. You know, we don't understand what the problem was, but yeah, it seems on the up and up, it's going to be a good documentary. You know, people are going to like what they're going to see. And eventually Kat, I guess, did work out something with the Netflix, Mm -hmm. uh, the producers. And I guess, you know, probably under the conditions, okay, I'll talk about this, I'll talk about this. I'm not going to talk about that, but so long as you don't cross that line. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, so that's been the only thing that's leaked about it. Um, Alan Leeds, um, I know he teased that it's really going to be good. Mm -hmm. And some other things that I've heard as well, where part of the problem, as far as, you know, not having any, anything that's been released, you know, for the end of this year, is because you know Netflix has sort of you know first rights to everything until you know so many maybe a couple of years or something until after the documentary is actually aired. Mm-hmm. So you know, barring whatever potential projects that were on deck, you know, before the family and primary wave took over, you know, barring some of those. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, it's going to be years before we see it. Right. Because, <clears throat> you know, and I get it because, you know, you want this documentary to be, you know, fresh. You want it with a lot of stuff that maybe people haven't seen or heard before. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, and I've seen that with other things, whether it was box sets or whether it was documentaries, where you see all these great clips in these documentaries. And you're like, oh, wow, you know, I want to see that full performance of that. And then, you know, a year or two later, then it's like, yeah, you know, here's this complete James Brown concert or, you know, here's this, you know, Beatles live album or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it, you know, so that's and that's why I'm really excited just because of the the buzz from a lot of the Prince camp saying that, you know, this is a top-notch production. Um, You know, and plus I've seen Ezra Edelman's work too. I've seen, you know, OJ Made in America. Uh, I've seen some of the, like the 30 for 30 stuff he's done for ESPN. So, I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. Okay. For sure. 
So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. So Alex, did you, you know, anything in those areas kind of jump out or did you have your own sort of top five? I just want to see more videos. <laughs> I want to see more <laughs> uh, of Prince's performances. Um, you know, a lot of the European tours. Uh, I would love to see more uh, back during the days of Love Sexy, and um, I would. I think I've seen. I think I've seen a lot of the Purple Rain stuff, but I would love to see a lot of the Love Sexy tours. Um, I would say the Sign of the Times movie for me was. Uh, that was just like it. I even if I saw like, you know, a tour of of Sign of the Times, it just it wouldn't compare to the movie for me because everything that for me that movie just had such it was such such a, a high bar. You know, you really set the bar high for that. So, but you know, Love Sexy, I would love to see uh, any tour, any of those tour highlights um, with some of the diamonds and pearls. So I would love to see more uh, concert performances and whether they want to do, well, I guess right now, because, you know, DVDs are pretty much <laughs> a thing of the past. So it had to be some type of streaming. So I don't know. Now, if wait a minute. Get, get off my show. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're still there. Blu-rays are still there. But... Yeah. Not as bad. Nah, these, yeah, nah, these, this <laughs> fan base, they about their physical media for sure. <laughs> they may do everything else digital, but no, nah, when it comes to prints, no, nah, it's like I want the CD, I want the vinyl, I want the Blu-ray, <laughs> I want the Betamax, I want the VH. <laughs> right, I want the laser disc. <laughs> so that would be that would be like my only thing. I think I would be I would be and, and and like you said earlier, I mean, obviously a lot of, you know, the songs that are in the vault. I mean, I would like to know, because there's some cool stuff I heard on YouTube, and I'm like, well, how are these people, I mean, who's, like, leaking this stuff on the YouTube? Because, you know, I'm like, someone, you know, <laughs> someone has some access somewhere, and they're like, <laughs> you know, like, boom, there you go, YouTube, and then you know, you go back to a couple of days and it's like, oh, it's been removed because of copyright or whatever. Right. <laughs> but like, back what? in the day, back in the day, it was Prince himself sending them cease and desist. <laughs> right. Right. So now we know it's that state like, hey, you know, we're trying to monetize this. Uh, speaking of what, yeah, we'll get to that in, in just a moment. But yeah, so anything else that you were looking forward to? or I would say that would be it for me. I mean, um, you know, a lot of the vault material, uh, I would love to hear what that sound like. A lot of the demos, um, you know, it, it's cool. The, the, demo, the demos, I really would love to hear. You know, maybe, you know, Prince yelling out chord changes and, you know, he says, hey, not so much hi-hat. Just give me, you know, <laughs> more bass. And you're like, doom, doom, doom. you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just, you just kind of see his genius at work. And it would be nice to, I don't know if anyone was, you know, had a camera going on back in those days where you can actually videotape that. You know, that's something I would just love to see. And, and maybe it's in a documentary. I don't know. You know, it's, 
I mean, everything's so tight-lipped. You just don't know what's, you know, what's going on and what they have. So, um, right, yeah, they they have they've been given full access to the vault. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so like I say, hopefully, we, yeah, some of that rehearsal footage and, like you say, the a lot of live stuff. Oh yeah, I would love yeah. to see a lot of live stuff. Yeah, and and I, would, even, I would. I would even love to even see like some of the backstage antics and just you know you just. You know, to see that kind of dynamic between between the members. I mean, you know, I mean, although we would like to know that everything, you know, was Peachy Keen, but obviously I'm pretty sure sometimes it wasn't Peachy Keen. <laughs> and, you know, that kind of shows you, you know, quote, unquote, I guess the human side of things. You know? Right. You know, um, and maybe that's one of the things that maybe Kat was like, well, hey, you know, I don't want to talk about this or that. But I think sometimes it's kind of, you know, um, good to kind of show you know okay at one point this person was down but they were able to pull themselves back up you know it's it's amazing now the people that i know they know that i'm a very positive person and it's like well we could never imagine you being negative and low and i said like, well yeah there were times when i was negative negative and low and granted there wasn't a camera following me around 24 7 so no one really saw that but um it's one of those kind of things where, like, yeah, I was at this point, but now I'm at this point. And, um, you know, because we've heard some, you know, we saw, heard some of the horror stories uh, about Prince from some of the uh, artists that he worked with. But then you also hear the good stuff also. And, you know, and that's anyone's human nature. I mean, I'm pretty sure right now there's people who may not have good things to say about you and people may not have good things to say about me. But then there'll be some people who ha would have good things to say about you. And there'll be people who would have to say something, mm. some good things about me. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you got to kind of just show both sides. If, if a person goes like, oh, my God, he was just a jerk and da-da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, and, okay, show that. But if someone, you know, but also show, I think, show, an, it, but once again, I, you know, it, I guess it depends on 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 the production and and the narrative that the director was trying to, uh, portray. I mean, granted, if they're trying to portray Prince as a bad person, then they're just, you know, that's not fair to show all the negative publicity and the negative uh, opinions. I mean, right. that's, you know, that's so easy to find. I mean, heck, you got people who don't even like themselves, so we can't expect them to like us too. I mean, this person doesn't even like, mm -hmm. them, you know, this person doesn't even like themselves. So you really think they're going to speak highly of somebody else? I'm like, no. You know, so, uh, but I would love to see a lot of the backstage antics and, um, you know, mugging at the camera, and, you know, <laughs> just, you know, just having fun. It's like, hey, you know, enjoying life and, you know, show that they're, maybe they are nervous. Did Prince ever get nervous? Show that, hey, he's like, oh, shit, you know, <laughs> can I do this? <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe show, you know, show the other musicians, you know, I would love to see the whole, I would love to see the whole band you know, everybody, you know, show some of the insecurities to a, to a certain degree. I mean, you know, I still allow some type of privacy, but, you know, some insecurities, you know, can, can I, you know, can I, you know, play this bass line as good as Prince played it in the studio? You know, that's one of my biggest fears. And it's like, you know, and maybe, he, you know, they show later on that, wow, Levi went out there and just, you know, he, and, you know, he put his foot in that bass line. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, like, and it, you know, it's like, yeah. You know, it you know, a really feel good movie instead of making it, you know, all about sunshines and rainbows, 
you know, let's, you know, let's show, you know, a balance of, as we would say, the good and the bad. But, you know, me being very positive, let's lean it towards, I, you know, I want to still lean it towards a positive slant. So after you finish watching this documentary, that you really feel good, that you have newfound respect for Prince. And you're like, wow, you know, he's he really is a little bit more down to earth than what I thought he was. Because now, I mean, you know, a lot of people, we all kind of tend to kind of put them way out there. And there's no way this this person could relate to me. But then you listen to a person's insecurities, you're like, wow, maybe this person can relate to me. You know, this person does know what it feels like to be nervous or not to feel like, you know, what it feels like to be not accepted by your peers or what it feels like to, you know, maybe not be good enough or you think you're not good enough. And so I don't know. So, yeah, so that's what I would like yeah. to see. More more live footage of concerts, backstage antics, really just show you know, Prince and 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 in his interaction with his band, uh, maybe with even some of the fans, and just you know, more down to earth. I would love to see more. I would love to see more video. Is what I would love to see more of. Mm. Love to see more video. You know, the audio recorders I do want to hear, but I would love to see more video. Really, like, hey, you know. And I think they'll do that. I think you know. I think there'll be a a soundtrack that'll come with it oh uh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's where the money comes in at you know? oh yeah remember, remember this is called show business business, for a reason. business. <laughs> this is business jack you ain't right. too far gone to see that <laughs> exactly <laughs> this is show business <laughs> so okay yeah <laughs> Not friend business, it's show business. Right, not friend business, show business. <laughs> All right, so cool. All right, so now we are going to introduce a new segment to the show, and that is Purple Pieces. And basically just news surrounding associated artists or items surrounding any upcoming Prince projects. So this week, we've got... St. Paul's new album that dropped called Break on Free. Andre Simone to bring the funk to the Hollywood Bowl, maybe one day. And then Morris Day announces new album Last Call. And a few other last two. And then Prince Estate warns corporations either respect the late artist's rights or suffer at your own peril. Ooh. All right. So, Alex B., which one of those topics kind of jump out at you right away? All of them, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, I mean, I, I listened to uh, St. Paul's album, uh, and it was a really solid album. Um, I like the title track. You know, break on free. I really like that. Um, I like that he had another uh, another selection on an album called Something in the Water, when he yeah. just kind of talked about like the whole Minneapolis sound. It's like how everybody's funky, and I like that. And I've always liked St. Paul. I mean, I've always, you know, when he when he led the family, and um. You know, he's always been like, you know, you know, one of our one of our favorites. So yeah, um, 
it's good that he's still making music. It's good he's still writing music, you know, and it's good that he's like, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. And um and I I I you know, I give him accolades for that album. Oh yeah. Oh. oh yeah, he's been yeah very consistent um, for a while. You know, um, I've had a chance to hear some stuff that he had done. I guess like maybe late '90s into the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's very proud of Minneapolis and you know keeping that Minneapolis funk. Yep. going uh phenomenal bass player uh i really enjoy this album too in fact i'm gonna get it on social media you know i've been listening to it on streaming mm-hmm. on apple music and i mean good solid material uh i mean i enjoyed f deluxe you know they you know it you know it wasn't the family album part two right you know and you know kind of where all of us are, or most of us, you know, we're kind of at that age to where like, yeah, that was cool back when we were, you know, 18, 19, 20, you know, or even a little bit later with the first St. Paul solo album, you know, that's still a classic. In fact, one that should be re-released. Yeah. You know, but, um, I mean, he's never lost a step. Right. You know, with anything he's done after, that first solo album as well. So yeah, I recommend, yeah, definitely, you know, pick it up on uh CD or, you know, support it on streaming, you know, and it's a lot of great songs. Um, I know one track, um, you mentioned something in the water. Yeah, I definitely yeah. love that one. Um, but one I really gravitated towards was called um, Beauty Beyond the Darkness. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and St. Paul can do some ballads, but to me, this is like probably the best ballad he's ever done. Yeah. That was a good ballad. I did like that one. Yeah. Yep. So St. Paul Peterson, break off free, go out, check it out, support it on streaming, go buy the CD, you know. Jump on Amazon. It's on Amazon, or ask your local record store to put it on the shelves. <laughs> record store. So. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go buy St. Paul album? Where would you go? <laughs> A record store. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing I want to mention is the. Andre Simone uh, at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. There's a uh, there's a contest. It's called uh, Opening Act, and Andre Simone was one of many contestants. And it was a thing to where you could go in every day and vote uh, to get him placed. And I thought he had actually won the position, uh, but I was mistaken. Um, he only get a uh, place in fifth place, which is a bummer. You know, y'all need to have Andre Simone on your stage at the Hollywood Bowl. Just right. saying. <laughs> but uh, in his Facebook post, uh, he did mention that, you know, because of all the attention uh, that was coming his way, 
while competing for this spot. Uh, there are, I guess, some people connected with the Hollywood Bowl somehow, and that, you know, at some point he'll get a chance to play, you know, the Hollywood Bowl. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, definitely shout out to to Andre, you know, one of the the pioneers that was there from the beginning. You from know, there's the a lot very of beginning. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, there's a lot of people that can say they were instrumental in Prince's success, but to me, this is you know, this is the equivalent of Lennon meeting McCartney, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, if Prince and Andre weren't best friends, you know, there's no telling, there's no telling what direction you know Prince would have gone. Yep. You know, so, you know, definitely um, I've always enjoyed Andre's solo work. Um, in fact, something else I need to pick up on physical media, too, is uh, his album called 1969. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, he had, um, I think, somehow after the third solo album and then after all that work with uh, Jody Watley and, you know, Adamant and was it uh Evelyn Champagne King you know after all that all those years of production work you know he did kind of I guess from our point of view kind of dropped out of sight yeah for a while and then he came back I think was it I think 20 about 2013 2014 he came back with this album called the stone you know which is it's kind of more of a rock feel to it you know kind of more kind of lenny kravitz type rock okay um but you know in addition to that you know he's also been like an activist you know as far as like black lives matter um part of his involvement with this uh contest for the hollywood bowl uh the opening act um a lot of their proceeds go to suicide prevention okay you know, so he's you know very active in that area also um but yeah but the 1969 album again you know it you know it's in the title you know it it kind of resurrects a lot of those sounds or updates a lot of those sounds and messages you know that were kind of commonplace for that era and it's again good solid album and again you know these cats, whether it's, you know, their personal work ethic. Because like I say, Prince was working just as hard as Prince, you know, Andre was working just as hard as Prince was. Right. You know, yep. coming up. And, you know, even if, you know, where I would say they were more equal because they had grown up together, like him and Morris, they had grown up together. But then you have people like uh, St. Paul, yeah, who was very talented, comes from a very talented musical family and already a solid work ethic but it's when you know those years you put in working with prince you know it's like a boot camp <laughs> <laughs> and you know you come out with your stripes right in that and so yeah you know a lot of these artists they never miss a beat with it so you know so hopefully andre will make it to the Hollywood Bowl, you know, we had seen him thumping and plucking on his bass. You know, he brought out the Dirty Mind era bass and, 
you know, was was getting it ready. And, you know, the man should be on more stages and pumping out more funk. And we want to yeah. see we want to see him turn the Hollywood Bowl into the mothership. <laughs> <laughs> well, when is this supposed to take place? You know, I remember you telling me about this and I'm like, wow, how did I miss this? So uh I, th- I know maybe as far back as august for me august okay because yeah because i would see the post and it's like oh shit yeah let me go vote you know <laughs> and <laughs> you know i know i voted like about four or five times okay on there yeah but like i said i wish he would have placed higher but like i said hope you know if he came in fifth, who came? Who took the top four places? I mean, were these just like local musicians that we would know of? I guess. No, I think it's a, I guess a national contest. Oh, so this is people. Okay. Yeah, they do it every. They do it every year. Okay. And you know, and I guess they're. You know, I guess, you know, whether you're, you know, just kind of starting out or you got a little indie following or, you know, you're kind of somebody established like Andre's established, you know, you can kind of compete to do it. So, okay. Yeah, but we, I mean, you know, we'll be good sports, but I I don't know who won. <laughs> we don't want to know. We wanted Andre to win. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but like I say, hopefully, you know, some some people got to take notice and you know, hopefully they can open those doors for him because he definitely deserves it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess the next thing, this is pretty big. So Morris Day announces, well, at first, when I was preparing for this episode a couple of weeks ago. It was Morris Day announces new album entitled Last Call. I was like, okay, cool. So we're gonna talk about him dropping a new album, you know. And, <laughs> and then he's on his social media talking about this is the last album. Uh, this is gonna be the last tour as a solo act, and he's gonna hang up the Stacy Adams. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's what they all say. So, <laughs> well, but now there's a there's an article in Billboard, uh huh, magazine. Uh, and, well, not an article, interview with Morris in Billboard magazine, and he says, yes, he is retiring as a solo artist, and he is getting into other things. Right. Here's the but, though. He says, if the original seven want to get together and do something, I'll be down for that. Okay. So, you know, I know it's a it's been a huge mess over the last, I don't know, almost year, six months to a year, mm-hmm. where the people running the Prince Estate at the time you know, barred him from having to use the name the time in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. So I'm going to speculate. I'm going to speculate that now that the remaining members of Prince's family and primary wave, I'm going to speculate that 
they are talking to Morris or they've already talked to Morris and managed to work something out. And maybe that might involve getting the original members back together. You know, maybe to do one more album and then maybe do one more tour. You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. Yeah. I wish I had millions right now myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so who, you know, but that's, that's me speculating though. I bet. Well, no, you well, no. I mean, no, you bring up good points, and I mean that's good speculation because you notice he said that uh, he's retiring as a solo artist. So he didn't say that he was just totally giving up music or performing. He just said as a solo artist. So I just wonder if you know if there was still some more backlash he was getting from the estate about using that name Morris Day. Um, I mean, if he was to tour you know, with the original seven because they're going by, aren't they going by the original seven or just going by, OC, what are they going, are they going by the name original seven or, I mean, the last well, they, album was what, Condensation, right? Right. And so. that was, but that was mostly because of Prince blocking the name. Right. Yeah, Prince didn't have an issue with Morris Day going out there with the not original seven mm -hmm. and being Morris Day in the time. But just before, I guess, what do you want to say, Comerica Bank or whoever, um, officially turned things over to the family members, they straight out barred him from using the name, the time period. Like, it couldn't be the time. It couldn't be Morris Day in the time. He couldn't change the spelling of the name. Nothing. <laughs> Right. You know, they kind of put that heavy hammer on it like that. But I don't know. I mean, in that interview, you know, he also mentions things like, you know, I'm assuming eventually there's going to be a like a Morris Day bio pick. Yeah. Or something. You know, I have a feeling that's still in the works and then it's a thing of again kind of negotiating and working things out with the estate who knows um that's what i would like to see is for that to to take place and you know if he's off into some other business ventures as well i mean you know the man has put in a substantial amount of work as morris day Right. And, you know, and I think about, you know, here's this guy who's a phenomenal musician, phenomenal musician, you know, uh, excellent drummer. You know, he came into this business as a drummer. Yeah. And then to kind of have that switched around to where you know, kind of like, you know, your best friend creates this persona for you. And granted, you know, the two of them worked on that together, you know, both right. as far as recording the albums. But, you know, it's mostly Prince that's come up with this persona. And you have to parlay that as the rest of your career. 
because now you're coming into an age to where, you know, you really can't, you know, you can't go in there as Ringo Starr, you know, or, you know, such and such famous session musician, you know, uh, you know, you can't go in there and be Benny Benjamin now because yeah. the, the game has changed to where it's all computers and drum machines, you know, so you can't make a living doing that. Yeah. So, you know, just by the grace of being Morse Day, then yeah, you can go out and be that front man day after day after day. But, you know, I guess, you know, sometimes you just have to, you know, maybe get to that point to where, you know what, I just kind of more comfortable just being me and just take yeah. that step back. And like I say, if he's, you know, definitely it sounds like he's also getting into other business ventures as well. So, yeah, know, yeah, I wish him, you know, I wish him all the luck. You know, I've I've seen him yeah. live three times in my life. I've got all, the, you know, most of the records. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, good form, you know, pursue what makes you happy. Yeah. In that and yeah, you know, and the other side, yeah. If the time, if Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, Jesse, Monty, Jelly Bean, Jerome, you know, if they all want to get together and do, like I said, one more album, one more tour, <laughs> hmm. I'm happy for that too. But yeah, definitely, you know, congratulations, Morris. It's been exactly, yeah, you know, solo artist, front man. It's been the best, and I'm glad to be alive in this generation. No, oh, definitely. You know, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, I was only three years old when Sly and the Family Stone was at its peak. <laughs> <laughs> three, maybe four. <laughs> so you know, it was nice to have a band you know, come up, you know, when we're teenagers. And yep, and still here, man. And still here, yes. So yeah, definitely a cause to celebrate. Yeah. I wish him yeah, I wish him nothing but the but the best. I mean, it's all love. Yes. <laughs> because right. you know, like I guess I don't know if you do acting or I mean I don't I mean could I mean he could have some things in the works, you know. So oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah, there's a lot when you read that interview. There's a lot in between the lines for sure. Okay. Yeah, right. like I said, that was that was a big one. So yeah, so but we'll we'll report on it as we get the news, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we're gonna go to another new segment of the show, and that's the flashback. And this week's flashback is going to be. Graffiti Bridge, the album, the movie. And the reason why I'm talking about both, because it's kind of in this this episode is in this weird in-between. It was too late for the anniversary of the album. And the movie dropped like November of 1990. Okay. So, yeah, so it's in this weird place. But I guess you can't talk about one without talking about the other one. So, right. Um. You know, Graffiti Bridge, it was hyped as the sequel to Purple Rain. 
And, you know, it brought the time into it. Not only did it bring the time, it brought the original time, <laughs> <laughs> which is what the, per the, the Purple Rain movie didn't have. They had the time. Right. But, you know, it was only halftime or part time. But, you know, Graffiti Bridge <laughs> had the full time. Right. And you had, you know, Jill Jones coming back and you had George Clinton in the mix. You had Mavis Staples, Tevin Campbell. Uh, the, I guess, the kind of introduction of Ingrid Chavez. Yeah. Of course, you know, we had heard the name from the Love Sexy album. But, you know, we had never, I don't think, I don't think I've seen her until... Until Griffith Bridge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You know, we didn't know what she looked like, or we didn't know what was she in the band, or was she the new girlfriend? Was she the muse? What was going on? But there was all this hype for the movie. And I know for me, because the album dropped so many months before the movie, you know, I remember like that week. Uh, there was an issue of Rolling Stone, and it had a review of the Graffiti Bridge album. And it gave it like four and a half stars. And I'm like, dang. <laughs> and the wow. way they talked about that album, I was like, okay. So midnight, and I think that was back when records used to drop on Tuesdays. But Monday night, midnight, <laughs> <laughs> I was at the record store. <laughs> <laughs> Because I wanted my copy of Graffiti Bridge. I remember buying the, yep, buying the cassette to that. <laughs> and yeah, I, you know, I enjoyed that album. I mean, you know, even with some of the, you know, the guest spots, of course, you know, the time was on it. Um, release it. You know, that was a very tight jam. But I mean, you know, even with, um, you know, Can't Stop and the new Power Generation from Prince. Then after release it, you get Question of You. It was just like, man, you know, this oh, album's yeah. hitting. Then you had the official release of Joy and Repetition on yeah. it. Because I had heard that on bootleg for probably like the last the year and a half before Graffiti Bridge came out. And you know how it was with bootlegs and stuff. It was like, you know, that low, terrible quality. <laughs> you know, you right. turned your... You turned your volume all the way up on your system and you still couldn't hear anything. And right. And you yeah, strain it to hear it. And it's like, oh, this is <laughs> why didn't he put this out? Why wasn't this on side of the times? You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was an amazing album. And then here comes the movie. <laughs> and I know there's people in the purple musical singularity that love this movie. <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I kind of I I when I look at it now, I just think of it as what it should have been. A, not a sequel to Purple Rain. But B, it should have been one of those long form home <laughs> straight to video <laughs> straight to video I mean come on you know Rhythm Nation <laughs> was you know that was that was video <laughs> and that was long form right 
And I think if if Graffiti Bridge came out as that, I think it would have, I think it would have worked better, mm-hmm. because the expectations wouldn't have been so high. Now again, I mean, everything is subjective. Film, music, you know, what I like, other people might not like, and vice versa. And that's cool. If Graffiti Bridge is one of your favorite movies or favorite Prince movies, cool. You know, we're not putting anybody down. But, you know, it's just my opinion that I was disappointed. You know, I was in San Francisco and and it was one of those things like with uh, the the rest of the band, I should say. You know, it was one of, and I knew, I knew that was a bad sign because I was like, hey, yo, I'm gonna go check out Graffiti Bridge. You know, y'all want to get to, you know, because, you know, we'd seen Sign of the Times, <laughs> right, twice. <laughs> so I was like, cool, you know, let's hang out, let's go, let's go check this movie out. And they're like, oh, well, I got something to do. We're gonna check it out next week. And I was like, well, cool. So I ended up going by myself. And I tell you, I think I was like one of maybe five people in that whole theater. Wow. I mean, that's how bad the movie was, you know, especially word of mouth. Yeah. And I know it was like, uh, because I know I didn't see it open in day or anything like that. It might have been like maybe a week or so later. But yeah, and I just kind of walked out feeling just disappointed. It was cool seeing the time. Right. And everything, you know, the original members and, you know, they did their job with what they were given. You know, it was cool seeing Jill Jones in there. You know, she should have had a bigger part in it. And again, nothing against Ingrid, you know, Chavez or anything. She's a great person. I know some people that have actually worked with her. You know, great person. But, you know, just for that, not getting, I'll cut her some slack because, you know, that's your first film as you know acting or first time right. acting in something like of that scale so you know i'm not going to put that down even but yeah it wasn't uh <clears throat> yeah it wasn't the greatest <laughs> <laughs> cinematic experience and you know some of the performances in the film those were great to see which is why i don't demand my money back like other films like Ninja 3, Superman 4. <laughs> Ninja. Oh my goodness. Oh. Is, that, is that the movie where they were running around with ninja headbands? They actually said ninja on the headband. You're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a couple of minutes to talk about Ninja 3, so that way this doesn't become an inside joke. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, me and my cousin went to go see that movie. <laughs> And we walked out of that movie maybe the first few minutes in. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Because there was this ninja. He was running around and he was killing folks. The police show up. And it had to be like about, oh, God, like 20 cars full of cops. (laughs) And they got the ninja cornered. Every cop shoots the ninja. And you think like, oh, shit, well, that that ninja's dead. You know, I guess maybe another one's going to come for revenge or something. No, this ninja gets up. They shoot him another hundred times. He gets up again. They shoot him another hundred times. He gets up again. Now, by the fifth time this dude got up, we were like, oh, hell no. Nah. We up out. 
So I don't know how the movie ends. I don't know what the plot of the movie was, but that's how it started. (laughs) (laughs) And I still want my money back from that. (laughs) Oh, man. And Superman 4, I still want my money back from that. (laughs) Bring bring me the woman or I will hurt people. (laughs) Right. No, wait, the people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back to Graffiti Bear. <laughs> yeah, so, so, no, I don't want my money back from Graffiti Bridge. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, the, the movie was made for the same budget as. The original Purple Rain, and you know Prince, you know Ed. Wait, 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 wait a minute. So the money, I mean, money wise, it was the same money. Yeah, and no. I don't even think. Yeah, it didn't even break even. Too, I think it was about a million short of actually breaking even. Now, mind you, you know wow, there's. The- I didn't know that. I thought it was cheaper. Okay, because even okay, so when you look at the quality, even just the film itself, you know, and when I say the film itself, I mean like the actual film that this was shot on. It even looks cheap. It doesn't look like it's the same film film that was used for Purple Rain. Right. It was well, it was shot all on Paisley Park. Right. Maybe, you know. Yeah. So they yeah, yeah, so they built it like, you know, an old Hollywood studio film. Yeah. Like that. Which, you know, that's his vision. That's what he was going for. Then too, there's a lot that was kind of lost between the original draft of the script and what made it or actually made it to film, you know, because first Mm -hmm. there was a draft uh, that he wrote with Kim Basinger or that might have been the second draft. I think he had this as far back as Parade even. But yeah, but then there was a point where Madonna was supposed to have been in it. And then Jill Jones had a bigger part in it and then he got mad at her and cut her part down to <laughs> what it was. But yeah, I mean, but and like I said, you know, he kind of knew going in that he wasn't trying to make a big blockbuster. Right. You know, he wasn't trying to to film Batman 2 or anything like that back then. But I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting to see like what you know. I wonder what the original draft was if that's circulating somewhere and how much better. And could you remake it? Like, could you actually redeem it as a quality film? You know, like <laughs> the, kind of the, the Snyder cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are there are outtakes that have been circulating too, that, or deleted scenes that have been circulating as well. From graffiti, really? From I, that, I, that I did not know. I yeah, would yeah. love to see those. Okay. Hmm. They might. I don't know if they're still up on YouTube or not. Okay. But there were some. I mean, it 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 doesn't make the movie better. <laughs> but you know, there are sequences in there that are you know that are interesting. 
like I mean, you probably could have swapped out some scenes here and there. And like I said, it, it yeah. wouldn't have made it a better film. And I don't think it wouldn't have helped the narrative of the film. Right. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think people want more of a color version of Under the Cherry Moon than they want the director's cut of Graffiti Bridge, though. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, now that after I've, cause I've seen Under the Cherry Moon so many times, I don't know if I even want a color version. I think I'm so used to the black and white that I think a color version, I don't know. I don't know if I want a color version. You know, I mean, I understand when he was, you know, the whole, you know, the whole, because we, I mean, think about it. Even when you look at the album, the soundtrack, I mean, it's all black and white. And I mean, granted, the kids' video is not black and white, but um, I think the mountains video. Yeah, that was in 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 color. Was that in color? Okay, I had to think for a second. I can remember if it was in black and white. So I think all the videos, I guess, were in color. I think I'm trying to remember back now, but I don't know. But <laughs> no, because you know, because okay, one of the classic lines from Under the Cherry Moon was like, "Which shoes? <laughs> which suit should I wear? The blue one." Okay, so it's yeah. obviously it's in black and white, so the audience doesn't know which one. So you can't make it color just because of that one line, because right. knows, that'll like spoil the whole joke, right? <laughs> like, the blue one. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, which one is the blue one? You know, right. so, you know. So you can't colorize it because that would just spoil that one joke. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good jokes, a lot of good one-liners in there, but I really like that one. Yeah. Because it was a play, it's it's one of those kind of things like you and I, you know, we used to talk about all the time. You know, when something strange happens, we look away as if we're talking to a camera. Like, you know, and that's and that was one of those moments without looking at the camera. You know exactly what they were doing. You know. Like, like who? Right. You know. <laughs> and that was one of those kind of moments where they're kind of talking that's to right. the camera. It's, how do they say like on TikTok? Tell me you're talking to the camera without telling me that you're talking to the camera. And that's what exactly right. what it was. You know? That's right, folks. We were breaking the fourth wall before She-Hulk and Deadpool. Right. So there. Exactly. You know. Pay us our money. <laughs> right. So, it, you know, it, it's they knew exactly what they were doing. And because of that, I always thought that was funny because it's like, duh, this isn't black and white. We don't know which one is the blue one. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so now if you colorize it now, you know, he did the color version of be like, you know, a red and green suit or something. You know? <laughs> And the joke wouldn't be funny. I, don't know. Yeah. I would keep, I would rather just keep it black and white. I would, yeah. you know, it, you know, <clears throat> maybe change the ending a little bit, you know, but, you know, the whole, but, you know, but yeah, but, you know, I, I feel the same way about Graffiti Bridge because to me, it looked kind of cheap. You can tell, you can tell it was, you know, in this back lot type studio. And I was like, yeah, this is not working out for me. And just like you, I went to see it at the theater. Uh, and it wasn't that many people in there. I can't remember if I went on opening night. Um, but you're right, there were not that many people. And I left out of there like, 
That's well, I got the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one redeeming factor well, here, you know. But that was the thing. You know, the movie ruined the soundtrack for me. And I guess, you know, because we just come from that age where when you bought records, you know, there was no MTV. You know, very few people made music videos mm-hmm. back, you know, as far as like the seven, you know, like 70s period, maybe 80s, it started to change. But just hearing that music without having the film influence what you're listening to. Yeah, those songs were more alive to me when it was just listening to the cassette. Right. And so having seen, oh, well, this is the context in which this song is in the movie or you know, this scene is what's taking place. Well, this is different than how I pictured what the song is about in my head. Yeah. So, yeah, so it really took me, you know, all these decades now to think of Graffiti Bridge as a long-form video and not like a major cinematic production. Yeah, right. Know, in, and and that's how I think, and that's like I, I think it had a different effect on me because I looked at like a long video. I didn't look at it, you know. You look at Purple Rain, and I guess once again, Graffiti Bridge was was supposed to be the sequel to Purple Rain. But in Purple Rain, I mean, you really had a dynamic um, cast of people. There were complex characters. You know, you can see the strained relationship between Prince and his parents. You know, obviously, no one was really that deep in Graffiti Bridge. It was, it was almost, it was very surface-like. You really didn't get into, you know, into the psychic of some of of, of some of the main characters. I mean, I don't know if they want to say, well, hey, you know, go look at Purple Rain to understand how Morris Day act. I mean, you really didn't really get into that. You know, you really didn't get into the heart of the characters. The way that Purple Rain got into it. So for me, mm-hmm. it was like a like you said, it was like a long form video. And when I walked out of there, I felt like oh, I just pretty much seen like an hour. What was it, an hour and ninety minutes? I think a video, and basically for the album. And for me, it was just a long form video, and I really didn't look at it. I mean, I had my hopes were up, but you know, halfway through the movie, when I'm just looking at this awful you know, back lot set. And I'm like, this don't even seem real to me. <laughs> it just doesn't, I can't get into this the way I got into like Purple Rain, you know? Right. And of course, everyone would say, well, hey, you know, yeah, there can never be another Purple Rain. And, and and I think it's one of those situations, even when they were making it, you know, they didn't realize how big it was going to be. And, you know, and sometimes those are the best, you know, the best um, collaborations, if you will, when you know and i don't know what kind of mindset they had making purple rain because they're i mean not purple rain when they make graffiti bridge and they're like you know hey this this could be as big as purple rain you know because when they did purple rain they had nothing to compare it to it's like we're doing this movie uh, we have these songs and we're going to make up this rivalry between your band and that band and you know then your father's going to try to shoot himself and da 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 and yeah. Well, see, that's the, the thing. I think it was supposed to have been something else that he had been kicking around in his head. And I don't think it was a sequel to Purple Rain when okay. he first drafted it. Then you had where 
the original members of the time, they were talking about getting together anyway. And they wanted to kind of do a film or something. I remember there was one rumor where it was the time and then Janet Jackson was going to be in a film at some point. But then I think somehow it just went back to just being the time. And then Prince heard it. And depending on who you talk to, it's like either Prince had the draft for Graffiti Bridge and Warner Brothers said, no, you have to have the time in this movie and it has to be a sequel to Purple Rain. Right. I can or, see. yeah, or the time was trying to get their movie put together. And Prince came in and said, well, hey, you know, I'll do it. And then it ended up as Graffiti Bridge. <laughs> somebody has to do a documentary or something. Right. On that. Like, you know, like the like the death of Superman lives, what happened? If somebody has to do the death of Graffiti Bridge, what happened? Right. <laughs> no, that would that. be nice. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, but I mean, you know, it's you know, it's still a part of Prince history, you know, like I said, there's a, a fan base that loves this movie. And I guess I can kind of see it too. Like they love it the way people love something like Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know, that has just its own audience. Well, yeah, and and you know, you you use the example of Janet Jackson Rhythm Nation. I mean, it's look at it like a long, like thriller. Look at it like yeah. a long form video. And when you look at it from that perspective, through that lens, you're like, you know what? This is actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, this is gonna this is pretty good. You know, I mean, one of my favorite songs is "We Can Funk," and I wish it would have been more of that in there. I think they only had a snippet of that, if I remember correctly. Um, well, I take um, the Purple Rain Deluxe Edition. Oh well, yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard that version. You've heard that, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, that's, the, original, that's the, the original original version of we can funk and right <laughs> what, what were they used instead of funk so yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was pretty good yeah so yeah so you know when I, when I when i changed my perspective and i'm like okay so i looked at it just you know like a long form video it was thriller to me it was rhythm nation this is pretty bridge and they just happen to release it in major in a major you know as a major movie or whatever or in, in major theaters and when i looked at it like that i was like okay this is not so bad you know because it it really couldn't because you, i mean you look at the sign of the times we already know that that was basically you know a concert movie you know and right you know and you know you really don't get the chance to know the characters only just through the only just through the music you know um you know, when we first heard, you know, if I was your girlfriend, it was like, oh man, Princess Flip. Why would he, you know, why would he do a song called If I Was Your Girlfriend? And then when you really listen to the lyrics, it's like, okay. And then well, when yeah, you got the was... scene with right, and you got the scene with Cat lying across the bed and she's, you know, writing a diary. You know, and she's like, Hey, I know this dude is a player. You know, why is this sheep, you know, why is this wolf wearing sheep's clothing or whatever? And then he goes into the song. And it was just like it was perfect. It just added, a, you know, it added more you know, depth the, to the song. Yeah, you know, and it was like wow. And so, you know, Side of the Times just blew me away. And so when and when I saw Graffiti Bridge, yeah, part of me was kind of because I think they touted it and it was promoted 
as a sequel to Purple Rain, I think. Yeah, I can't remember why yeah, I read so. that or yeah, okay, maybe that was just part of the whole promotional thing. And yeah, you're right because remember the whole idea was the um, club promoter. What was it, Billy? What was his name, Junior? What? Remember, remember, because it was the whole thing in Graffiti Bridge was this is what man was remember oh, yeah. from Purple Rain. Yeah, they uh, killed. Yeah, they, they killed off Billy Sparks in the movie. Billy I mean, Sparks. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was still alive in real life, but <laughs> right. But his character, right? And then, and then I'm like, and then the picture they had of him, like, dude, for real, y'all couldn't get a better picture. <laughs> this is what, yeah, Billy would have wanted this way. <laughs> you know, he looking like for real, for real. I'm like, dude, come on, man. You could, you guys could have got a better picture than that. Seriously. I mean, y'all act like y'all so broken up about this dude, and this is the only pitch you have of this guy? <laughs> I was like, come on, no. I would appreciate if they would have did like and a pitch with like both bands and everybody's around them, and you know, just that one, it was just, just one little eight by 10 pitch of him looking crazy with those glasses on. I'm like, for real, <laughs> for real, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, long form video, I'm good now. And that's what it yeah. was. Well, listen, I'm going to end this topic with this one idea. Somewhere in the multiverse, the actual sequel to Purple Rain could still be called Graffiti Bridge, but it's more like a star is born. Because, like, the whole premise of Purple Rain was, you know, here these bands struggling to make it, you know, and they have this big battle at the end for, you know, who's the best band in the club, you know. After that, you know, it should have been record deals involved. And then, you know, purple, the sequel should have been like, okay, both of these bands are famous now. You know, Prince is going through this. Right. Struggling with this with fame. You know, Morris is dealing with this with fame. You know, do they, you know, do they get together and reconcile? You know, does, you know, Apollonia, you know, take the three kids and leave Prince, you know. <laughs> that's your sequel to Purple Rain. <laughs> right, right. No, no, I agree. You, you know. know. But, but somewhere in the multiverse, that's the sequel to Purple Rain. <laughs> somewhere our variants are enjoying a much better sequel to Purple Rain. <laughs> right, exactly. Than we have. <laughs> but like I said, you know, there's there's a fan base that loves this film like i said i appreciate it like you do as a long form video which brought my love of the actual album back to the level when i first bought it in august of 1990. okay so everyone up if you haven't heard graffiti bridge i'm sure most of you have or you've seen the movie by all means over to yourself check it out if you haven't you know especially if you're new to it at least check it out, you know, let us know what you think. All right. And we're going to wrap up this episode with our spotlight segment. So bringing back the purple spotlight and this week's purple spotlight is on the girl. We, we just talked about in graffiti bridge, the one and only Jill Jones herself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember back in 81 and I bought Tina Marie's Irons in the Fire. And there's a song on that album 
called The Ballad of Cradle Rob and Me. And, you know, I'm a big liner note junkie, so I'm looking at the liner notes and kind of some of the songs on there, you know, there's these two initials, like, you know, it was the same cast of characters, but there's these two initials, JJ. And I was like, oh, okay, so she, you know, these they're on every track and I didn't see these names pop up on anybody else's albums. Cause like on other albums, I've seen names that it's like, you know, these are, you know, professional background singers, you know, the, the, the waters family and this background singer, that background singer. And here's this JJ, you know, that's just unique to Tina Marie's. I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, so she got some of her friends singing background and stuff. Cool. Okay. And then you get to the Ballad of Cradle Rob and Me, and JJ has a co-writing credit on there. It's like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, what, you know, what is she? You know, who is this person? You know, what does she look like? You know, is she gonna come up in the business? Is she gonna drop an album one day? Fast forward a couple of years. Here's the 1999 video. Oh, actually, yeah, okay. This nope, didn't see the video. I had the album first, I think, before I ever saw the video. I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, again, who is this? <laughs> and then I do have the 1999. I'm like, JJ, is that the same JJ that's on the Tina Marie record? Mm-hmm. She's singing background with Princeton? Cool. <laughs> and then we see Purple Rain and we see Jill. And it's like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. And, you know, and this is when you see, you know, you've had Vanity Six. They've had, the, you know, she's coming going with her record. Um, you have Apollonia Six. You had Chili E. Now, so it was like it to me. It just felt like it was a matter of time because you could just sense, like I said, even as far back as that one songwriting credit on that Tina Marie record. You know, you just kind of connect the dots and see that there's a trajectory there. Yeah, and you know, so eighty, what is it? Eighty four goes by. Eighty five. Eighty six. And then fast forward to 87. And I don't know, I don't, did we buy that record the same same day or not? Uh, we could have. I remember buying the 45 to uh, Baby or a Trip. Because I think the B-side was 77 Bleecker Street. Oh, Mia Boca was the single. Mia Boca, Mia Boca, okay. Oh, so Blinker Street must have been the next single, I think. That was the B side. Because I didn't hear I didn't hear that till years later. What seven seven Bleaker Street? Right, because I just bought the B side. What was the B side to Baby You're a Trip? Oh, see that I don't know. I thought it was see, I always had the Hmm. see, I had the cassette. I start yeah, I had the cassette and then years later got the CD. Um, but it wasn't till uh, it's probably about like my last year living in California. Um, and in the record store, they had the 12 inch single to Mia Boca. I was like, oh, there was a 12 inch single to that because you had all the other ones, yeah. And I was like, you know, so I didn't know there was one for Mia Boca, so I was like, well, cool, you know, I you I had or you made me a tape with the other ones on it, so I was like, well, cool, I'll just buy this 12 inch single. And that uh, if, the F- if, if the FBI is listening, I allegedly made you a tape. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly? Wait. Uh, <laughs> what, let, me, 
I do believe you. Uh, wait, I got to do. And, <laughs> I got to do my. I got to do my iced tea <laughs> uh, from the uh, Freedom of Speech. Watch what you say, album. <laughs> say FBI warning. What a joke. Hit record on my dope remote. <laughs> See what had happened was see now nah, what, what I did see you bought those and so I went out and bought them too. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then hit record on my dope remote. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That album did not disappoint. Now we're talking about the first one, right? <clears throat> yeah. Well, she has the only one that's on Paisley Park. Um, she's she's had albums. Um, uh, let's see, two thousand. Yeah, dude, I'm literally yeah. just looking at. She just released a single last year. Right. Yeah. Which I mean, again, uh, like I said. The level of consistency, you know, when people are talented and and good, it's like even if it takes them twenty years, they just never miss a beat. Right. With that, yeah, that's that song was amazing because that one's kind of to me, like I say, more of an homage to Tina Marie's ballads. Um, that level, that song that she had, and then there was one she did in tribute to Prince uh, that's, you know, it's so emotional, it's hard to listen to. But I mean, it's it's still a great song. And these are songs that should get way more attention than, you know, what they have been. Um, but, you know, even before those two singles, um, she's had about maybe two or three albums that she's put out independently, you know, on different or with different labels. Yeah, yeah. I think one album was called Two, and that was very good. Which is, it's different. It's, it's you know, 
it's not like the Minneapolis sound, you know, it's more contemporary, it's more, um, trying to find the word, it's more industrial type of sound, more of a dance club sound. Oh, the, uh, the two album? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these album covers. She was, hmm, very interesting here, Jill. All right. <laughs> 2009 uh yes 2009 that's right i was trying to think because i remember it was uh, kind of the age of social media you know and she was kind of the the beginning of it yeah and she was promoting self-promoting it and it was like okay yeah i'm I'm gonna check it out because like i say you know a lot of times you know it's not like oh you know people stop being interesting when Prince stops writing the songs, you know, it's like, no, you know, Prince didn't outside of that. I would say outside of maybe one act, which, you know, kind of snowballed into this thing of, and granted, you know, yeah, he was involved with a lot of some of his protégés and stuff, but I would say the long and short of it, these are not weak people. You know, they're, right. you know, they're strong and they they have talent and, you know, she has a voice. You know, an amazing voice. And those were good songs. And I think she had a you know, I know kind of you and I thought in the beginning that, you know, the way the credits were always lined up, that either she was like the sole lyricist to a lot of those songs. Yeah. You know, and we were just eating up because, I mean, like I say, you know, Tina Marie was that good. In fact, in my head, every song Tina Marie did was about me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but like I said, you know, we just but I mean, she can she is a good writer. Obviously, she co-wrote stuff with Tina Marie and right. and some of those credits were Prince co-productions. And, you know, it the I guess the image because, you know, now that we know that, you know, it was like, oh, a prince was more involved in this area, whatever, it did kind of take some of the mystique out of it. Yeah. But still, at the end of the day, there's still great songs. And at the end of the day, she still sang the hell out of those songs as well. Right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, that album stands the test of time, you know, with a lot of people in the, in the prince singularity here you know and you know it's one that deserves a reissue you know needs to be remastered and reissued you know and to where people can get it and not pay you know several hundred dollars for the vinyl or several hundred dollars for the cd is that how much it's going for in in some circles, I think you could still find a decent copy of either one at a decent price. I know I need to get. I still have the cassette. I lost my CD. But, I, think I, still, uh, I, I think I still have my CD, and I think I have the forty-five. So, yeah. Now the yeah the Mia Boca twelve-inch I still have. Um, I do have physical copies now of <laughs> <laughs> the other twelve-inch singles, folks. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, you know, hopefully if if the estate listens to the show, and we know they do, <laughs> they, tune in, they tune in every week. Right, they're like, <laughs> <laughs> we need guidance. 
What do we do? <laughs> Amari talks. <laughs> <laughs> mm, what did Richard say this week? Write that down. Right. <laughs> okay. Super deluxe around the world in a day. Yep. Got it. Okay. <laughs> That's what's coming out next, folks. <laughs> <laughs> And the Jewel Jones Super Deluxe. And it's, yeah, definitely yeah. that. <laughs> definitely. But, that. Yeah, but yeah, it, it does deserve uh, to be rediscovered. You know, like I said, a lot of us, you know, replace either our worn out copies or lost copies. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right because. All right, so as I'm, I'm trying to remember, so I guess Seven Seven Bleecker Street must have been the B side to Baby Your Trip then. No, it was uh, Mia Boca because that's that's when so I Mia first heard. Boca is the B side to Baby Your Trip. So then Seven Seven mm-hmm. Bleecker Street. Okay, what's the B side to Baby Your Trip? Well, that I don't know. I didn't know there was a single. To yeah, that. there was a single to Baby Your Trip. Well, hold on, wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. Well, no, 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 wait a minute. No, no, no. Let me. I'm sorry. Baby Your Trip is my favorite song from the album. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just created a single. Wait a minute. You're right. Wait a minute. You're right. Wait a minute. Hold on. So it's my favorite song on the album too, but I knew no. No, seriously, it's like my like one of my all-time favorite songs, period. I just love that song. So then what was the first single released from that album? Uh it might have been Mia Boca, because there's a video to that one. I was at Seven Seven Bleecker Street, and then Mia Boca was a B side to that. Because uh-uh. I can tell you, I can tell you exactly what <laughs> I can tell you exactly. Now I gotta go like digging through my my crates in my collection. That forty five is a cover of her. It looked like she's like in some major city, and it's like in this chrome. That's that. Well, that's no, the album no, cover. That's the album. Yeah, yeah. But the the single also looked similar to the album cover, but it was just you know. Well, see my. Like, well, see, my copy, it just came in regular, like a black um, sleeve, okay, a cardboard start. sleeve. Yeah, it's not going to be tonight, but I'll look for it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I've seen the actual cover to the 12-inch single or even the 45. But yeah, you're right. It is kind of the sort of the monochrome color. Yeah, yeah, you got like fuchsia and black, and then she's kind of like standing there with a smile on her face. And I think she's wearing like a skirt, and but she has like I think pants on underneath the skirt, and like right, some which is the I mean, but yeah, that single could have been the same or some or same cover shoot as the album cover. So, so it been I can't that. remember was Seven Seven Bleecker Street on the album, or was that just a B side? Just a B side. All right, so then, okay, so Bleecker Street was a B-side to the Mia Boca. So that must have been Mia Boca, okay. Then what was the second single release? Uh, was it G-Spot or For Love? See, you know, and I'm trying to look. Oh, let's see if I can look this. I thought Spotify would have uh, the Paisley Park, but it doesn't. They just have... Her music up to 2001. Her current stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah from 2000, which I thought was kind of odd. I thought they would have it all. And I guess maybe this state is probably kind of holding on to that. So, um. Which is surprising because somebody did kind of pirate their way with um, it was two Madhouse albums and The Family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody, because I know I bought them. 
um, on Apple. Oh, really? Yeah. And then the, what the estate got <laughs> caught wind of that and like, oh, and shut it down. But, you know, with with Apple, you know, once you've paid for it and if once you download it, then it's, you know, it's it's yours forever. It's yours, right. But. Um, yeah, surprisingly, that did not happen with Jill Jones. So you, you would have thought. Hmm. Yeah, I'll do some but, more yeah. research, but yeah. But no, I agree that I think that should be a reissue. Okay, so I got the G-Spot 12-inch single. Let's see, Baby Cries Aya was the B-side to that. Okay. Baby Cry Aya, okay. Or, let's see, what was the B-side to For Love then? Because well, that, that was a remix. Was that released? Yeah. Single? Okay. Yeah, you had that one too. Like I said, you had the last two. And then eventually I went and got the the Mia Boca. Uh, I would have to search and see. Poor Love. Because I, I remember the remix of Poor Love. Yeah, because I got them all on a, on um, my flash drive now. I used to have them all on one CD. Mm-hmm. I was able to digitize some things, you know, hit record on my dope remote. And, uh, <laughs> 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 and so I've got my own special super deluxe, edi- well, not super deluxe edition, but, you know, sort of my own deluxe edition with bonus tracks you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of all that stuff uh man oh, i'm drawing a blank now because yes because seven seven bleaker street is just my as far as the b-sides it's my ultimate favorite b-side and i guess baby cries i would be number two as far okay. as uh, the b-sides on that one and what was the see now we need your help folks so in the comments remind us or guess i'll be playing jill jones in the morning on my flash drive (laughs) on my way to work let's see here if i can i'm going to just do some really quick research here all right uh okay here we go all right i just found it okay cool Alright, so 12-inch singles, Mia Boca. So Mia Boca, you had the extended version, dub version, you had a 77 Bleecker Street. So you're right about that. Second single, G-Spot. Uh, you had the extended version to G, uh, G-Spot and Baby Cries, ah, yeah. Okay. Yep. For Love, you just had a four-play remix and bonus beat. So it looked like there was not a B-side to uh, For Love. Okay. Yeah, you know, it was yeah, it was sad that because I think some radio stations, well, at least in California anyway, were really trying to make that work. So I don't know who was working promotion at Paisley Park at that time, but at least for California or Northern California, they were really trying to make that like for love. They were really trying to make that one work. Yeah. I mean, I like for love. I, I thought it was pretty cool. 
Um, yeah. What were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, so I would say, you know, with uh, Jill Jones' record, um, I think, you know, because a lot of that, the initial recordings were in 84. And I think, you know, had it been released in 84, 85, maybe kind of going into 86, I think it really would have taken off. But I think probably what really wrecked the momentum was, yeah, the kind of the way a lot of those sessions were kind of stop and start, you know. Yeah. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, documenting Dwayne Tudor's book. Um, there's also, you know, interviews with Jill Jones where, yeah, you know, they they would have this on again off again thing and that kind of dictated the flow of the sessions you know so if you know prince wasn't mad at her and things were cool <laughs> then they start the sessions and then they'd have a fight split apart and then you know she's in new york for six to eight months to a year you know and that might have had some. And then, too, the landscape of music was changing. You know, hip hop was gaining a lot of momentum. New Jack Swing had come into play. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, the, the album was still good. And, you know, kind of us as Prince fans now, why it stands the test of time, because the songs are really good. But in the context of the music business, you know, or you're trying to compete with, spots on the charts or on radio you know it was hip-hop new jack swing those were you know still you know those were kind of at the stage the beginning stages of being the reigning champs right and then on the pop side you know you kind of had pop so you know whatever whitney houston was doing stuff like that and then on the opposite extreme of pop you had you know hair metal so yeah, you know, sometimes good albums get lost in that shuffle like that. But I think, you know, it deserves a re-release. You know, vinyl, CD, bonus tracks. You know, again, you know, give people that necessarily are Prince fans a chance to kind of discover it. Or people that are new to the world of Prince to, you know, to seek out that album and you know not be taken advantage of trying to get a original copy somewhere right no i agree i mean i think it would you know be smart for the state to do that um i mean once again i know there's a lot of legalities that need to be worked out because obviously jill would need to be paid <laughs> something you know True. so you know, so you got to look at it, you know, and I'm pretty sure they're looking at it like that, too. Like, well, hey, you know, before we do anything like that, we have to make sure that she gets paid. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like I say, that's, we, we want everybody to get their due and get their respect and. Oh, definitely. You know, definitely get their money and. You know, definitely get their shine, you know, like I said, they. You know, we we bought the records, but they put the work in. Right. You know, and they deserve it. And that's why she gets the the spotlight. And like I say, you know, check out a lot of her, you know, non-print stuff. You know, go back and get Tina Marie's Irons in the Fire. Listen to the back. I mean, because that was a that was a pretty clever track. 
you know, on that. I've always enjoyed listening to that track on that album. Um, you know, check out a lot of her work after Prince. Um, and then uh, her daughter, I can't, oh, I can't think of, I apologize, I can't think of her name. Oh, Jill Jones has a daughter in the industry? Yeah, and she has uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Music out as well. Um, let's see. It doesn't list it on her Wikipedia page. But, you know, everybody out there listening, you know, drop it in the comments. You know, give us some information and background. But, yes, um, but she does some phenomenal music as well too so definitely check you know check these people out you know like i said prince didn't pick weak people you know he may have wanted to be the controlling factor and sometimes sometimes that was to his detriment or sometimes it was to the detriment of the people he brought on board but again you know these are no by no means weak people they're you know talented strong-minded they have their own style and try to remember too there was only one prince you know just like there's one michael jordan one michael jackson one james brown right you know one elvis whatever you know there's always you know those you know they had the the thing that got them to where they were but anybody that was in james brown's band or elvis's band or prince's band you know, they weren't weak people, you know, they had to know their, they had to know their music, you know, whatever protégés came into play. Like I said, it did become a cliche and sometimes often a joke, but I would say that the people that had talent outweighed, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but <laughs> they kind of outweighed <laughs> <laughs> the ones that made this thing snowball into the big joke. So, right, you know, but you know, check them out and give them your love and support. And that is going to end this episode of Amari Purple Talk season four. Yeah, we kind of went a little overboard, but you know, this was definitely enjoyable, definitely fun. And Mr. Alex B, always great to have you on the show. And of course, Thank you, you will that. anytime you will be back. <laughs> We'll be back. Be back, and let's see. We might have to set up some some kind of social media thing for you. You know, this is the international man of mystery, <laughs> and we'll keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we did kind of go a little long. So we were going to do uh, Twitter questions today, but. We will actually, I might have hold that thought, but we'll definitely have Twitter questions next episode. So, you know, um, the links are in the show notes below at Richard Cole underscore now on Twitter. That's where you'll send those questions or topic suggestions, and they will definitely be read on the next show. And until then, Create your day and create your life. Peace. Peace.